Hello everyone, I hope you're well. My name is Dave and I'm part of the team at Gold Hill and today we are carrying on our series looking at one of the letters that we find in the Bible in the New Testament by a man called Peter and our series is called Different. You need to sort out your life. You need to live differently, you need to start behaving God is not pleased with you. There are all kinds of things about your life that God does not like. And if you don't turn it around, you are up for a rude awakening when one day you meet him. Please don't switch off. Please don't switch off. I start like that because that is the way that a lot of people in our world think Christians think about them. That the Bible is just full of all of these rules and ways in which God is waiting to catch you out. That your life has to measure up to some kind of bar in order for God to be interested in you. That you need to make the cut, that you need to live in a certain way. And God is like this big security camera in the sky just waiting to catch you out, to find you out doing something wrong so that he can punish you, so that he can judge you. That's what the reputation of a lot of Christians is. And sometimes we need to be honest, that's because that's the way that we have behaved. But sometimes it's because our scriptures are misunderstood or misinterpreted. So today, the reason I start like that is that the passage we're looking at today is a, is a passage which in some ways could be seen as about those things. It talks about ways that we should live. It talks about being holy. It talks about being pure. It talks about God as our judge. This is one of those passages in the Bible that could be seen as a big stick that we can hit other people with. But as we look at it, we're going to find that it is far from that. This is a call for us to live differently. This series that is called Different is all about those of us who follow Jesus, those of us who are committed to him, those of us who are Christians seeking to be different. Stephen, a couple of weeks ago, posed that question. Why fit in when you were born to stand out? We're going to take this passage in a few chunks and we're starting at 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13. And as we do, we'll see that it starts with the word therefore. Last week, Maria was speaking about our hope. Maria was, was sharing that our hope is different from the rest of the world because we have a sure inheritance. That's the starting point, the hope that God has given us. Therefore, let's see what we carry on as we read. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So in view of the hope that we have, there are a few instructions here, some, some things that we can do in order to live differently. There are three of them. There are three sort of almost commands in these verses. The first is to be alert. We read be alert and fully sober. And this is, this is the choice not to just live on autopilot, not just to go with the flow. It's so easy just to get stuck in a rut, to go with the flow, to go where everyone else is going, not to be deliberate and intentional with our actions. We can live life on autopilot and Peter suggests that we don't do that. That we maybe start each day thinking through, what are the choices? What are the challenges? What are the things I'm going to face today? And how do I want to approach those things? We can be alert. We can choose to, to, to muster that in ourselves. Second is to be obedient. As obedient children, do not conform. 
This is about obedience. This is not living life as though you are the boss, not living life as if you are the highest authority. As a Christian, I believe that God is the highest authority and that we should listen to him, that we should seek to be obedient to him. And then finally, we read to be holy. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. The word holy doesn't just mean pure and perfect in the way that we live, although it does capture those things. It also means to be set apart, to be to be different, to be in some ways just not the same as those that are around us, just as God is not the same as this world that he created. So we can be alert, we can be obedient, we can be holy. But I want to I want to make it really clear as we start that these are not just instructions. These all come with reasons. Let's look at them again. First, being alert. With minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. It's not just being alert and sober-minded and, and, and thinking rationally and clearly ourselves. It's deliberately and, and consciously setting our minds and setting our hope on what Jesus has done and will do for us. See, even the instructions to be alert and not to fit in come as a result of what God has already done for us. We are obedient as obedient children. When we hear that we are obedient children, it's a reminder that we have become children of God. It's a reminder that we have been invited into his family. And if we're part of his family, then there is the call to live as members of his family. Again, it's a reminder of what he has done in order to inspire and encourage us for the bit that we can do. And then as we come to that instruction to be holy, it doesn't just say that. It says, but just as he who called you is holy, be holy. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. This isn't just God from a distance saying, be holy and I might come near you. This is him saying, I've called you. I've embraced you. I've welcomed you. I've invited you. And you've accepted that invitation and because the one who's called you is this way, then be that way. Again, it's a reminder of what God has done. Peter seems unable to speak about our responsibility to live a certain way without making it crystal clear that it's all in response to what God has done for us. There are ways that we can be different. How can we be different? We can seek to be alert. We can make sure that we're seeking to be obedient to anything that God says in the scripture or to us directly. And we can choose to live lives that are set apart, that, that embrace being different, that embrace that holiness. But all of it is a response to what God has done. And actually, Peter then doubles down and carries on with that as we read the next section. If that was about how to be different, then this one is about why we should be different. Let's carry on reading in verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Wow. Okay, let's pause a moment there because this, this sounds like the big security camera in the sky, doesn't it? Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live with reverent fear. This sounds like how I started this message, doesn't it? It sounds as though it's saying that God is going to judge everyone and as a result, you should be afraid. You should be fearful. That's not what is being said here. Let's remember there are, there are different kinds of fear. 
there are there's there, there's that crippling debilitating fear where you're looking around every corner just waiting for something bad to happen that kind of fear that's not the kind of fear that peter i believe is speaking about or writing about there's also the healthy and appropriate fear that we have when when we drive when we drive we are aware of the dangers on the road or at least we should be that's why in uh, driving tests there's the hazard perception. We need to be aware of things that could go wrong, aware of things that could be bad. And we are driving carefully, fearfully, aware of the bigness of what it is that we're doing and what could go wrong in order to avoid it going wrong. There are healthy kinds of fear, healthy kinds of what we describe as reverence, a sense of the bigness of what is happening. And as we carry on reading these words, we'll see that that is the kind of reverent fear that Peter is speaking about. It's an invitation to live with a far bigger view of what's going on, not just meandering through life, but being deliberate and alert and obedient because of something far bigger. Let's carry on. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you by your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Jesus, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. There is so much in those words and we can't do justice to all of it fully. But the reason Peter says that we should have this reverent fear when we remember who God is, that he alone knows what is right and what is wrong. The reason that we should live in reverence and in awe of him is because of this bigger thing that has gone on. And he reminds them it wasn't silver and gold. In other words, something that they might have, wealth and riches that they might have that has bought them. He talks about rescuing them from this, from this way of life that's been passed down to them, which is not good for them. But, but, he, but they've been rescued from that. They've, they've, they've been bought from that, not with something that they've paid for, but with something far greater with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. It's a reminder to these Christians of what they already know. And I wonder if you know it today, if you've taken this into your life, that, that you and the ways that you've lived and the mistakes that you've made and the shame or the guilt that you might have, God is not sitting as judge waiting to punish you because that's what he longs to do. No, he longs for you to be brought back from that. And he sent his own son Jesus to die for that very reason. And if someone else has paid such a mighty price for your life, then surely it makes sense to live in a way that is mindful of that, that is respectful of that, that is reverent of that. A number of years ago, I was going out for a meal with a couple of friends and I knew that I knew that, that, that finances were a little bit difficult for them. And so on the way, I just had a, had a quiet word and said, look, tonight's on us. Tonight's going to be on us. And when it, when it came to the meal, I was astonished at the way that they behaved. Um, drinks kept on flowing. They kept on calling the waiter back for more and more stuff. They ordered the most expensive meal on the menu. When it came to pudding time, they literally looked at the menu. They looked at it and they thought, oh, I can't decide between these two things. And they ordered both. 
two puddings each, knowing that I'd already said that I was going to pay for the lot. It was disrespectful. It was rude. It was, it was wrong. When someone else is paying, I'd like to think that I would be more reverent and respectful of that. That I would be mindful of the fact that in some ways that evening is now in their hands. And, and therefore I should live in a way that is respectful to what they want the evening to be. That's a silly example. But when someone else has paid for us, surely it makes sense to live in a way that is responding to them, that is reverent to them, that is respectful for them. That is what Peter is calling us to. To live in light of this far bigger picture and as a result to be reverent towards God, to live as he calls us to, not in the ways that just we want to. So with that sort of how it is that we can be different, alert, obedient and holy, and with the big why, because we've been bought by God for such an amazing price, what does it even mean to be different? If this series is all about living differently, living in a way that is distinctive and set apart from the world, what does that even look like? What kind of difference? Well, as we carry on, we see a couple of things that Peter specifically calls us to that are ways that we can be different and distinctive in our world. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. What kind of different? What does different look like? First thing it looks like is love. The thing, the one thing, the main thing that Christians should be known for in this world is how much we love one another. How deep our love and our relationship and our bond is for one another and then overflowing from that for the world around us. That is the one thing that we should be known for above all else. And I don't think it is. I think Christians are known in the world far more for what it is that we are against. Some of the things that we, that we aren't for than the fact that we are for one another. And we are for the community that God has granted us. And we are for the world that he loved enough to send his son and that therefore we might love enough to give our lives to as well. And the root of this, Peter, again, he can't help himself. He doesn't just say love one another and make that another oppressive command. Again, he can't help himself, but ground that and root that. He says that, 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 we, have, that we, we love because we've been born again. We've been given a new life and one that is never going to fade away. He reminds us of mortality, that, that people come like flowers or grass, but then they fade away. But the thing which has birthed that love in us, the thing that has given us that new life is imperishable, can never be taken away. And that thing is a message of love and hope. And so our lives should be lives of love and hope. And we should be known for that love. How can we be different? We can love when other people hate. When other people see someone they disagree with and they disregard them or they tarnish them or they slander them, we can choose to love them and pursue them. We can disagree far better than we often disagree. 
We can love one another. We can choose to believe the best of someone's intentions, even if we disagree with their decisions. We can choose the way of love. Will it be costly? Yes, it's often why we're so bad at it. For Jesus, love was the most costly thing. And for you and me, it might be as well. But how is it that we can be rooted so much more firmly in God that it overflows in a love that is different and is distinctive? I've had friends of mine. I had a, a friend of mine who is not a Christian who I was talking to about the community of Christians that I knew. And she said, I know I've met loads of them. And then she said to me, and I know that I will never have friends as good as yours because I'm not a Christian and I don't go to church. She saw something about the way that my friends loved me that was attractive, that was appealing. And there's still steps being taken with that person. But love when we have it for one another, can be appealing, can be attractive, can look different from a world that is so full of hate and so full of division. If there's one thing you take from this message, it's this, love really well. And then Peter carries on. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. I want to be clear, in all of these verses we've looked at, which have all been about holiness, all have been about living differently, all have been about being alert and obedient to God, all have been about our lifestyles. This is the one time, this is the one verse that Peter says, don't do these things. The Christian message has a reputation of being about, don't do that, don't do this, don't say that, you're not allowed this, stay away from that. The majority of the Christian scriptures are not about that, my friends. The majority of Christian scriptures are, are about what we're for, about what God has done for us. And when we come to verses like this, it's only ever in that context. Saying, this is what God has done for you, so run from these things because they're not good for you. Peter says, above everything else, love one another. And then he says, rid yourselves of malice. Well, malice and, and anger and aggression towards other people, that's the opposite of love. Rid yourself of deceit. If within our communities we're lying to one another, we're obscuring things, we're hiding things, we're manipulating the truth, then that's not love and it's going to destroy any kind of real bond that we could have. Hypocrisy, pretending we're something other than we are, is the opposite of love, which reveals ourselves as, as we truly are because we know that we'll be loved and embraced. Envy. If I'm jealous of you, if, I've, if I'm envious of what you have, then I can't be loving you and wanting the best for you. I'm wanting you to, to fall down a bit so that I can feel better about myself. It's not love. Slander. If we're talking negatively about people, if we're painting them in a bad light, if we're gossiping about people, all of that has no place within the Christian life, within the Christian community. If we are to be different and some of these things which are just commonplace in the world today, it's, it's accepted that there are some lies that you just tell. It's fine to gossip, it's fine to speak negatively about people, it's fine to be jealous of other people. We can be different from that. We can show what love truly looks like. How do we get there? Well, Peter's been drip feeding it in through the whole of these verses. The verses that remind us that we're not just to be obedient, but we're children who can therefore be obedient. We're not just to be alert and conscious uh, and constantly on the lookout for things that we could be doing wrong and make sure we do the right things. We're to set our hope on God and what he has done for us and will continue to do for us. And that helps us to be alert and to distinguish things. We're to be holy because he's called us to him and he himself is holy. But then 
He makes it really clear in these final uh, couple of verses, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is how you keep on living differently and distinctively. You fill yourself up on the truth and on the good news of who God is, what he's like and what he's done for you. That's the only way. We can live our lives constantly striving. I need to love that person more. I need to not lie here. I need to not do that. We can give ourselves a whole list of, of demands and try and force ourselves to live better, to live differently, to live distinctively, but it won't work. It's got to come from within. And the only way it can come from within is if what, what, what we are feeding ourselves with is what will produce what we want to come out of us. Peter describes that as pure spiritual milk. This thing that births love in us, the, the word of God, the truth of who God is, the truth of what he's done for us, that reminder that we were bought back the cost of his precious life. Those things reminding ourselves, constantly filling ourselves up on those things. That is how we get to live differently and distinctively. It's not about effort. It's about resting in God. I was talking to a friend this week who has been struggling to, 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 to ditch certain habits that he knows aren't good for him. Certain things that he knows aren't good for, for himself, for his relationship with God, for the way that he lives his life. And, and as we were talking, he was saying that actually there's been some progress. As we talked a little bit more, it came to light that really the reason for that progress wasn't because he was trying to do those things less. It's because he was spending more time with God. He was reading the Bible more. He was praying more. He was looking at the life of Jesus more and without meaning to or without that being his primary intent, it was impacting the way that he was living his life. We need to constantly fill ourselves up. You may have been a Christian for years and years and years. You haven't advanced to a higher plane of Christianity where you no longer need to remember what Jesus did for you. Come back to the root. Like newborn babies, there's the great leveller. We're all constantly in that state where we need to come back to God for pure spiritual milk, to be reminded of what he's done for us. That is the root of different life. That is the root of living differently. God is not a great big security camera in the sky waiting to catch you out. He's your father. He's the one who is different and calls you to himself and will equip you and inspire you for a life of difference. He is love that you might be loving. And when we remember that, it helps us to be alert, not to just live life on autopilot, not to just live life the way that everyone else is because it's expected of us, not to just go with the flow at work or at home. When we remember that, it helps us to be obedient, like an obedient child who loves the father, whose father loves them, and who responds in obedience as a result. And it helps us to be holy, to be set apart, to be different. So today, if you need to, if you're looking at your life and going, man, I just look like everyone around me. I'm not full of love, I'm full of envy or jealousy or whatever it is. Then can I encourage you, throw yourself back on God, 
Spend some time with him. Remember what he did for you. Remember the big picture of your life. And then, and only then, might you really truly start to live a different sort of life. Let me pray. Lord God, thank you that this starts with you and not with us. Thank you that those caricatures of what you're like, just waiting to catch us out, aren't true. Thank you that you love us and you made the first move. Help us to respond with the moves you want us to make. Lord, I pray for alertness. I pray for obedience to you. I pray for holiness and purity and being set apart. But Lord, I pray for none of that to come from our own resources and strength, but instead to come because we've thrown ourselves on you. Feed us with pure spiritual milk today, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.